0: Just to show that I do have a Bible, I'm actually going to read about um, Palm Sunday from Luke chapter 19, but um, we can all go home now, really. We've all seen it, haven't we? We've, we know the story now. <laughs> but I think God does have a couple of things to say to us, and um, as i prepared this message, I think God is wanting to speak to some of us. And. Uh, throw out a couple of challenges at the end. Um, The great thing about hearing from God is that if you don't like it, it's not my fault. (laughs) It's not my fault. Okay, so Luke chapter 19. Jesus approached Bethage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of the disciples saying to them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. So they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they have seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, He wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. I'll stop there. So, What always amazed me as a child, and I did go to Sunday school, although I relapsed later and um, did my own thing for a few years. Um, What always amazed me was how well behaved the donkey was. (laughs) So scripture tells us that it's a donkey that no one had ridden on before. And um, that sounds to me like a pony that hasn't been broken in. That sounds to me like it's gonna be very jumpy. But this one was, seems to be, well, on the, on the film clip it was, um, it was quite docile and, and gentle. But what happened, I think, is, is what it tells us in Matthew's Gospel, which I'm not going to read, but Matthew says that the disciples brought the donkey and his mother. Now, we all behave better when our mother is there, don't we? (laughs) Don't we, kids? We do. So I think probably that was the secret. The donkey wasn't scared because his mum was there. The donkey was reassured because his mum was there. And I think Jesus must have had a, a calmness about him that reassured the donkey as well. So that's the first point that you won't find in any commentaries. <laughs> Why was the donkey well behaved? <laughs> so let's get a bit, a bit more serious. This was the first day of Holy Week and, and Jesus wasn't whooping and, and shouting. Jesus was quiet. Jesus was thoughtful. Jesus was coming up to face something he didn't want to face, really, in the human side of him. He was man and God in one personality. And and the, the human side of him was not looking forward to what would happen. He was going to be arrested, he was going to be tortured, he was going to be hung on the cross and suffer. And he must have been feeling just like maybe kids feel like when they got a test at school, Um, They don't really want to go (laughs) and face it. Um, It's how I feel when I'm going to the dentist. I would rather be anywhere else than going to the dentist. So he was sad and he was quiet, but he knew that he had to fulfill the scriptures. And so a donkey it was and he rode into Jerusalem to um, an amazing welcome, an amazing welcome. <laughs> now, um, I've been listening to um, a message on Paul Lookcraft's website. I'll give a little plug for it. It's on orchardseeds.com, and he's got, um, I think, four or five talks now. I've six, six, oh, there's six there now. Okay, I've listened to three, Um, but he's great on Palm Sunday, and he tells us that the kings of Israel used to return after a victory into their city, and they would be welcomed with a big triumphant procession with people waving palm leaves, and they would be um, cheered and whooped and welcomed in. Now, Paul says that there's a great contrast between the arrival of military leaders and even Roman emperors than how Jesus came on a donkey. He he came humbly. And the donkey was a hint. There's a lot of donkeys in this message, I'm sorry. The donkey was another hint that the reign of King Jesus would be different from anything the world has ever seen. They had seen the processions. They had welcomed the military leaders. They had given them the glory. And now, they were looking at someone who wasn't on a war horse. He wasn't in a chariot. He was on a humble workhorse, a, a donkey, who's used for domestic carrying of burdens. He was humble he was going to be different. He was a king. And they realized that when they started shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I think the crowd there were moved by the Holy Spirit of God. That's just what I think. I think they suspected, they sensed that Jesus was different, that he was sent from God, and that he was going to be a king. I think they started to sense it. They started to shout. They started to quote the scriptures. And they quoted prophecies. So uh, the Bible tells us that they quoted um, Zechariah 9.9, which specified that the long-awaited Messiah and true King of Israel would come to his people riding on a colt the foal of a donkey. So the people were excited to see Jesus fulfilling this prophecy. The people were sensing that he was sent from God and they were joyful. However, as the um, video clip showed, there were some people there who were not joyful. Excuse me, I've got seven pages of notes. But they are very large print, so they won't take too long. So the Pharisees were there, and they had a rather different idea of the Messiah. What did they expect the Messiah to look like? Um, well, the books that I've read tell us that likely they were expecting a military leader. Likely, it's likely they were expecting someone who wanted to restore the nation of Israel, specifically. Someone who might free them from the Roman occupation. Not a spiritual leader to build God's kingdom by reaching out to everyone. Jesus, as you will remember, healed the servant of a Roman centurion, the enemy. Yes, Jesus did seem to match the messianic prophecies, but they were not expecting a humble king who spent time with tax collectors, foreigners, and sinners. The Jewish leaders were not expecting God's Messiah riding on a donkey. He reached out to everyone, and as we know. He reached out to the Gentiles, to non-Jews. He reached out to everyone who would listen. He was to be the savior of the world. A second point that made the Pharisees angry was that that Jesus operated outside of the temple in Jerusalem. The temple was the seat of worship for Jewish people at the time and they came to Jerusalem to worship and because it was Passover coming up, a, a lot of people were coming to Jerusalem to worship. The Pharisees and scribes had a lot of authority in Jerusalem in the temple They had the best seats in the synagogue. They were VIPs at all the festivals, and they did all the teaching in in the synagogues. Yet Jesus was different. He would operate anywhere. He would teach the people wherever they gathered, on the side of a hill, near a lake. He'd get out into a boat, and he'd teach the people. He famously said, destroy this temple, which is me, my body, and God will raise it in three days. So Jesus, very dangerously, was setting himself up as the center of worship, as the seat of worship, not the temple. It would be a person. And, uh, and the Pharisees, of course, were antagonism, antagonistic sorry, to, to, to this because they would lose their prominence They would lose their authority. They would not be the ones that people would listen to. They would lose their position. And they had um, a high position in Jerusalem. So they had a lot to lose. The people had lots to gain. But the scribes and Pharisees had a great deal to lose with Jesus coming into Jerusalem, into their territory, And then Jesus starts to cry, and this is something that the Lord particularly spoke to me about. Jesus wept as he came into Jerusalem. He wept because there were many, many hundreds of people there who would reject him. And he cried because they would reject him. He cried over the lost, and... And the Lord already spoke to me about that. And he said, how many times have you cried in prayer for people who don't know Jesus? How many times? Well, I'll tell you, it's once. It's happened to me once. And, oh gosh, and it's quite difficult for me to share this. But my younger daughter, when she had her second child, um. She stopped going to church, and um, obviously, Andrew and I were really upset um, because she wasn't you know, going to grow with Christ. She wasn't gonna move on with him. What was going on in her, we weren't quite sure, but we prayed, obviously. And as I prayed, the Lord said to me, "'Pray for your grandkids,' and I started to cry for my grandchildren, because they wouldn't hear about Jesus. If they weren't going to a Sunday school, they wouldn't hear. They would grow up living for themselves or I don't know what for, but not for the Lord. And I cried in prayer. And uh, last week we had a message about reaching out. And the Lord said to me, If we're going to be like Jesus, we need to be agonizing in prayer for those who don't know him. And excuse me if I break down, but God has placed this on my heart. We need to, well first we need to pray um, and come to our prayer meetings and, and be there. But we also need to ask the Lord to give us a heart for those who reject him. And that we saw in the video clip, and that we saw in Luke chapter 19, that Jesus weeps for those who doesn't, who don't know him. And that is the first challenge that I'll throw out to you. You may already be there, you know, some of us are keen evangelists and, and some of us may be there, but God wants us to become that. He would love us to become that, to agonize in prayer for others. That's the first challenge. So Jesus is making this public arrival in Jerusalem in obedience to God the Father. And he knows, he knows that the people, many of them who were cheering today are going to be turned against him by the, the teachers of the law, by the rabbis, who had a, a lot of authority with the people, and they were going to turn the people against him. He wanted them to have his offer of forgiveness and friendship with God. So that's what Jesus wants us to do. And this, <laughs> I ask God to give me the application of this Palm Sunday message, because obviously the grown-ups here it every year, and you know what happens, but what does God want to say? The second thing that I think God wants to say is that Jesus was the central figure here. We imagine this procession, and we imagine that all the disciples were there waving and giving out flyers and, and baseball bats with Jesus' name on. Uh, sorry, baseball caps with Jesus' name on. <laughs> Slip of the tongue there. Um, so it wasn't really like that. It wasn't a ticker tape parade like Donald Trump has. It wasn't that sort of parade. It was Jesus was quiet. He was on probably the worst form of transport there could be worse than a three speed bike he was on a wobbly old donkey and he was coming in to Jerusalem but he was the center. All four gospel writers talk about Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry into Jerusalem but none of them mention the disciples by name. The crowd were not Uh, looking for celebrities, as we might, if we were watching a Donald Trump procession, Um, they didn't say, oh, look, I've just seen Peter. Oh, give him a wave. They weren't looking for Peter and John and the others. Their focus was upon Jesus. He was the center of this day. He probably didn't want to be, all through his teaching in Galilee and Capernaum. He didn't want to be the center. He walked through the crowd when they wanted to um, lift him up and and praise him. He walked away from them. But today, he was the center. And his family weren't there, or if they were, they weren't um, center of this uh, no praises were focused on anyone else except him so what god said to me the people cried hosanna save us we pray save us i beg you save us now that's what they were crying out he was the central focus and and what god said to me so If you don't like it, I'm sorry. It's what God gave me to say. He said it's very easy to sing songs like Jesus, be the center. But it's another thing to allow Jesus to reign in every part of our lives. So what does putting Jesus at the center look like? Well, this illustration is is not original to me, and if you've heard it before, I apologize. But I heard someone say, where is Jesus in the car of your life? Imagine that your life is a car. Where would Jesus be? And for some people, probably no one here, but for some people, Jesus is in the boot. And um, they fetch him out, every Sunday, between 11 and 12.30. And, um, <laughs> and this is your moment, Jesus. Um, speak to me. Be in my life until 12.30. And, and they give him time for that hour and a half. And then they put him back in the boot. Back you go. I'm off to the pub. Um, and... That's where Jesus is in some people's life. Or maybe he's in the back seat. Maybe he's kind of there behind you and you kind of sense him um, speaking to you occasionally from back, but you're, you're facing the other way. Um, you're not really... Um, influenced by him or maybe he's in the passenger seat maybe he's got the map and he's navigating um, and maybe he's saying turn left here Um, go down the um, the road of forgiveness and you're driving and you say no I don't want to go down the road of forgiveness that person's hurt me I'm gonna be grumpy for at least five years And then Jesus says, you know, go down the road of generosity. And you say, well, I don't want to be generous. (laughs) This may not be you. It won't be everyone. But it's a great illustration. Or is Jesus driving? Is he driving? So if Jesus is the one that we listen to and the one that we hope is guiding our life, then he needs to be in the driving seat. And he will turn us to the left or to the right as he chooses, and it will be good, and it will be very good, because the person driving the car of your life is the rescuer, as it said in the video. He's the one who's come to save us, to fill us with his spirit, to give us joy and fulfillment. It will be the best thing that ever happened to us. (laughs) So, is Jesus Lord of our relationships? Is he Lord of our wallet? Do we look to him when we go for a job interview? Do we ask him to do what is right in our life. I hope we do.